Acts chapter number 24, Acts chapter 24, and we'll begin reading in verse number 22. The Bible says, And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty that he should have forbid none of his acquaintances to minister or to come to him. And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was of, was of a Jewish, uh, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him, whereof he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Father, I pray this morning in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you'll give us liberty. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would touch us this morning. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God would work in our midst. I ask you to bind the devil. I pray that you would, Lord, hold back the evil forces of darkness this morning. And I pray that there would be liberty and free course in the house of God. Give us the words to say and the wisdom to say it. And Lord, may we not do anything this morning that would grieve you in any way. But I pray, God, that you'd just move in this service. Walk up and down the aisles of the church and speak to every heart both saved and lost, I pray that, God, we would respond accordingly this morning. Bless the invitation as it's given, and may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach on this subject this morning concerning uh, this man here in, that we read about in this text by the name of Felix, and I want to preach on the subject convicted but not converted. Convicted but not converted. And what we see in leading up to verse number 22 is that this governor by the name of Felix, he brings his, he reviews the charges that have been brought against the apostle Paul. And these charges that have been brought against him is that there is a Jewish high priest that has come and has brought a lawyer. And the three charges that have been leveled against Paul is one, that Paul was a political rebel. And then he says that Paul was the ringleader of the Nazarene sect. Now Paul confesses to this in verse number four, but the first charge and the last charge being that he was a temple defiler, uh, Paul objects to both of those charges. He says in verse number 14, by this I confess unto thee that after the way which they call heresy so worship I the God of my fathers believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets so Paul says to this governor here I accept that charge that I am of the Nazarene sect and I want to say I believe that same thing the teaching of this Nazarene this one by the name of Jesus I support what he teaches I stand upon him both as a prophet as a priest and a king amen and that's what Paul Paul says to this governor here as he reviews these charges here. But then Felix uh, refuses the Christ of Paul. And that's in our text this morning uh, that he does not accept Jesus Christ uh, as his personal Savior. Like so many people today, uh, Felix was convicted, but he was not converted. And I think about all the people that stood where this governor has stood and has heard the word of God and has
Jesus had it preached to them in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God, but yet they turned away from the Lord. And that's a serious matter this morning. If the Holy Spirit pricks you in the heart about salvation and you turn away, I want you to notice three things about this governor this morning. I want you to see in verse number 22 down through verse number 25 that the governor heard, amen, he heard the gospel. The Bible says in verse number 22 that when Felix heard these things, then in the latter part of verse 24 he said he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith that is in Christ. Now there's no question this morning that this man heard the gospel, amen, and we think about his information as he says in verse number 22, having more perfect knowledge of that way. Now here's the question this morning. What is that way that the Bible is talking about in verse number 22? The the answer is found in verse number 24 as the Bible says in the latter part as we've already read that he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith that is in Christ. Now that is the way that this governor heard. He heard of the faith that was in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you think about the studies of Paul and the writings of Paul, Paul always spoke about three things. He talked about God and responsibility. He he talked about guilt and retribution. And then he talked about grace and reconciliation. Amen. He told us uh, uh, that my friend that God is going to be responsible and that God is a God that, that though man is guilty and he deserves retribution, that God is a God of grace uh, and that God is more interested in reconciliation and redemption than what he is retribu- retribution this morning. You see, God doesn't want to put anybody in hell. Amen. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. There's been a lot of people say, well, preacher, if God is a loving God, then why would God create a hell and send man to it? Well, the answer to that question is this. God didn't create hell for mankind. The Bible says clearly that he created it for the devil and for his angels. Amen. But God must deal with sin. And sin cannot go unpunished. Isn't that right? Man cannot live in this world uh, for eternity in a sinful state. You would not even want to live in a sinful state forever and ever. If you think about just a hundred years down here on earth and how that the body begins to grow old and grow feeble and the body begins to weaken and have all kinds of complications uh, and then we die. If we're saved, uh, well, we understand that death uh, is precious in the sight of the Lord. Amen? And death is a way of escape from this old sinful body unto a better land and to a better hope and to a better body. Isn't that right? But could you imagine living a thousand years in this old body and it just getting worse and worse and worse? I'm going to tell you when God saved us, He didn't just save our soul, but God delivered us, as Paul said, from this old body of death that we live in. Amen. But you can't live for eternity on earth in a sinful state. And man cannot go into heaven with sin in his life because sin cannot enter in. God cannot allow sin to enter in. So sin has no other place to go but to hell for all of eternity. And that's what the governor heard. He heard that he did not have to go to hell. I like that old song that the choir sings, the youth choir sings, I'm not going to hell. Amen. I'm glad I can raise my hand this morning on a Sunday morning and say by the grace of God, I know know that I'm not going to hell this morning. I've been saved by His wonderful grace. Amen. Can you say that this morning? And I see what the governor heard.
He heard of the way, the faith that is in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 10 and verse number 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, a man may hear, but he has to hear the gospel. He has to hear the word of God. The word of God is what puts faith in our heart. The word of God is what cultivates and develops faith. And Christ gives every man a measure of faith. And when that man takes that measure of faith, and he puts it in the word of God... As small and as little as it may be, the Bible says it may even be the as the grain of a mustard seed, but yet it brings life. It brings salvation. It brings redemption. Amen. Not because that man is anything great, but because of the power of the Word of God. That my friend, the Word of God, when it takes root, even with the smallest amount of faith, can bring forth salvation in the heart and the life of an individual this morning. You see, that's why I believe a seven-year-old child can be saved. You say, well, they've not got out and done all those bad things. Thank God they haven't. You say, you believe God will save a six-year-old or seven-year-old if they're under old-time conviction. I believe that. You know what conviction is? It's not a feeling. Conviction, you say, oh, but preacher of the day, I got saved, I got under conviction, and I felt nervous, and I felt a lump in my throat, and I felt an easiness in my stomach. Sure, and I did too, but that is not conviction. That's the results of conviction, friend. Listen, conviction is just coming to the knowledge that you realize that you're wrong and that you're guilty and that you're the one that has been charged when the Holy Ghost brings that to your life. When you see yourself guilty, when you see yourself uh, uh, charged uh, with the charges that God has laid out in this book, uh, and you understand that, that's what real conviction is. Amen. And a lot of people have been saved, had have never shed a tear, but they was under as much conviction as a man or a woman that shed a, a, a pool full of them. Amen. You see, this morning, I, I, that's why some people come and cry but never get saved. Maybe they come for other reasons, but when a person has been pricked in the heart, that woman at the well, I don't know if she shed any tears or not. I don't see anywhere where the Bible says that she did, and that doesn't mean that she didn't, but all I see in the Word of God is that she didn't shed any tears, but she came to the ability. She was convicted when Jesus said to her, you have spoken well, that you do have five husbands, and the one that you're living with now is not your husband. That woman was convicted of her sin and she knew that she was guilty so therefore she became a candidate of old time salvation this morning here's a man that he's convicted I see that the governor heard but then I want you to notice with me in verse number 25 I see that he hesitated and here's a man that has been given the right information but, and he's interested, no doubt, in verse number 23, as he gave Paul certain liberty to allow acquaintances to come. Here's a man that wishes no evil upon uh, uh, Paul, and he no doubt has some compassion upon him, and there's some interest in what Paul is doing and what Paul is saying. But you say, preacher, what kept him from getting saved? It was his iniquity, amen? The Bible said in verse number 24 that after certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla. Now, this was the 
sin that was in his life that he was holding on to. He had married this woman and taken her from another king and she was about 20 years of age and somewhat younger than him and, and he was in love with her and offered her great wealth and great riches that if she would leave her husband and would come and would marry him and, and so she took the bait and so here is the problem is Paul has preached to him and Paul has told him the truth and the Bible says in verse number 25 that as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance and judgment to come, notice the word of God said that Felix trembled amen, in other words the preaching of Paul got a hold of his heart, now I want to tell you this morning old time preaching will get a hold of your heart I hear people and I understand what they're saying oftentimes when they say, well, uh, the preacher stepped on my toes, but really if all I hit was your toes, then I missed it this morning because I wasn't aiming for your feet. I was aiming for your heart. Amen? And that's where the Holy Ghost deals with is he deals with our heart. And Felix's heart was so touched uh, that he reasoned. The Bible says, notice these three things. Uh, he reasoned of righteousness. He reasoned of temperance. Uh, and he reasoned of judgment to come. Now those those three things are the three things that I mentioned that Paul preached about. Listen, that word righteousness has to do with God and responsibility. That word temperance has to do with guilt and retribution. And that word judgment has to do with grace and reconciliation. That we don't have to face the judgment of God. And the Bible says that if Felix heard these things, he sat there and he reasoned within himself. You know, that's what people do every Sunday morning. The word of God goes forth. And there are people sitting here this morning that are unsaved. And as you're sitting here, you're reasoning out in your mind uh, as the word of God is going forth. Uh, uh, you listen, uh, as God is speaking to you, you're reasoning with that this morning. And we find Felix in that place. Or that he's sitting there, he's thinking about what Paul has said. Do you realize one of the greatest tools of the devil is distraction in a service? That's why you don't get up and go to the bathroom nine times in a service. Somebody say amen. Now, I understand somebody's got a bladder issue. I'm not talking about that or they're on some kind of medication, but I'm talking about these teenagers and I'm talking about these young people. Amen. That's why in an invitation you don't go to the restroom unless it is an absolute emergency, a dire emergency. Somebody say amen. That's why you don't get on your cell phone while the preacher is preaching. I know I get a good amen right there. Amen. You don't get on Facebook or Twitter or none of that other social media garbage, amen. You don't get on all that stuff. Uh, uh, listen, you don't uh, uh, look at a magazine or look at a book, amen. Uh, listen, you don't play with a baby. Somebody say amen right there. You know what you do? You get your mind on the Word of God because the greatest tool of the devil is just to distract you. So he don't mind you sitting in this service. He just don't want you listening to what's being said. You can sit in service after service under good preaching and never... You say, well, preacher, why is it so important that I listen to you? Because listening to what I have to say has everything to do with listening to the voice of God. Amen. You have to listen beyond my voice and hear this morning, what is it that the Lord is speaking to you about? You say, but preacher, I'm saved. And, and so therefore this message is not for me. I want to tell you all messages are for all of us this morning. This may be a salvation message, but I'll tell you what I gathered from that is number one, the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Amen. Amen. 
You see, this is profitable for me to listen to as a saved person as much as it is for a, a lost person to listen to this morning. I need to be reminded, amen, uh, that there are people going to hell. I need to be reminded to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And here's a man that heard, but he's a man that hesitated. How many times in an invitation do we hesitate to move? How many times as the Word of God goes forth and the Holy Spirit deals with our heart for whatever reason, why is it that we don't just automatically surrender and do whatever God speaks to us about? I'm preaching to myself this morning as much as anybody in this building. The flesh always wants to hesitate whenever the Spirit wants to make a move toward God. And so we find that here's a man that is trembling. He, we find that here's a man that is talking as he, the Bible says that he answered Paul. Now I want to tell you, well, the answer that this man is giving Paul is really not to Paul, but it is to the Spirit of God. For it's not Paul that is dealing with this man's heart, but it is God that is dealing with him. And you and I should understand that when an invitation is giving that, if you say yes, you're not saying yes to me. If you say no, you're not saying no to me. When the preacher closes his Bible and the piano begins to play. The preacher has done everything at that moment that God has asked him to do if he has obeyed the Lord. But now the invitation is being given and there are individual choices that has to be made in that invitation hour. It's always better to surrender and do what God says. And Felix, this great governor, we find that he heard but we see that he hesitated as notice what he says to Paul. Some of the saddest words that could ever be said. He says, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. I see Felix has trembled. He, has, he is talking in this text, but more importantly, he is turning away from God. He says, Paul, he says, go thy way. Notice what he says for this time. In other words, in Felix's mind, there will be another time when he will, under, he will accept what Paul has said. But it won't be this Sunday. And it won't be in this service. It, it won't be in this invitation, Paul. But uh, some other time, I, I'm going to come. And I'm going to, I'm, not going, I'm going to hesitate today, but I'm going to think about it and possibly tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes in this man's life. As it does in so, in so many people's lives. I think oftentimes we sit in church and we fail to really understand the weight of every single invitation that's given to us. Saved or lost, no matter who we are this morning, it's a privilege to be in the house of God. Can I get a witness right there? It's an opportunity to hear the word of God and it is an opportunity and an invitation to come uh, to, the, to the altar and to do business with God. Now, I'm not saying that we should treat the altar casual and I don't think that you should just come to be coming and you certainly should not come to please the preacher. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but I'm telling you, if the Holy Ghost deals with you this morning, you need to come, amen? If he deals with you tonight, you need to come. It doesn't matter what your position is. Uh, it doesn't matter what your status is don't hesitate if the Holy Ghost deals with your heart then you need to come and get right with God this morning the results of eternity could be weighing in the balance this morning in this very invitation 
And Felix says, I want you to go away, but just for this time, thinking that there is more time. I want to tell you, time is running out today. We don't have tomorrow. We don't have next week. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Now is the accepted time. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. It's now or never. It's turn or burn. It's come now or it's go to hell this morning. That's the way that we must respond to an invitation. Listen, if you're lost today, don't put it off. Take the mask of religion off. Don't hold on to anything. No prestige, no pride, no pleasure, no popularity in this world is worth selling your soul out. The Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but he loses his own soul this morning? The soul of man never dies. And it's the most valuable thing that we possess this morning. It's more valuable than any money in the bank or any treasures or any toys or any, any materialistic thing that we may own. It's more precious than even our own family that, that we love and that we cherish, but we'll never see them again if we don't accept Christ. You must not hesitate. You must not worry about the person sitting next to you. You must not worry about what people would think. Hey, listen, if you're here this morning and you're unsaved, you must come now, my friend, for your soul weighs in the balance this morning. I think that in eternity there will be people that every pastor has pastored for years that heard enough preaching to save the world ten times over. They were convicted. They trembled just like this man. But they was never converted. I want to tell you something. You need to be careful this morning. Some of you have heard my voice for many, many years. You need to be careful this morning that you don't become dull of hearing. I'm just flesh. I'm just a man. I fight, I fight the same battles that everybody else fights in this building. I don't lift myself up in any way, but you need to be careful that you have not heard my voice for so long that you no longer hear God speak to you. I'm telling you this morning, I've preached for pastors and I'm sure there are people that I pastor myself that I fear this, that I have preached for men that you will come in and preach for a week and somebody will get saved in that church that's been there for 10 years and it's happened in this church. And, and sometimes the pastors will say, I don't understand that. I'll tell you the conclusion I have come to. It's not that pastor's fault. He has plowed, he has planted, and he has preached, and he has been faithful. But many times they have heard his voice for so long that they so easily just tune it out. They're listening, but they're not hearing. Hearing what God is saying to them. The governor hesitated. The governor heard. And then I close with this thought this morning. The governor hardened. As he says to him, When a convenient season, I will call for thee. I want to tell you something about the gospel this morning. You've heard me say this before. It is a whosoever will gospel. But it's not a whensoever will gospel. The mistake that this man made in this text this morning is that he thought, number one, he had plenty of time. And number two, he thought he could get saved on his own terms. Can I tell you this morning, you get saved when the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart. I believe it is that simple. 
It doesn't matter how sorry. It doesn't matter how low down. It doesn't matter how far out in sin you have been. God will save anybody as the choir sung this morning. He'll save you from the guttermost to the uttermost. God will wash away any sin if you're willing to come and it is simple to be saved. If you'll just take God at His word and trust what Jesus did at Calvary and put your faith in Him and Him alone, you can be saved. It is that easy. It is that simple this morning. But my friend, you must come when He calls. You must come when He convicts. Don't walk out these doors convicted but not converted because, listen, what happens is your heart gets harder every single time. And you find it a little easier to say no and a little harder to say yes every time God deals with you. What I see in this text is the Bible says in verse number 26 that he hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul that he might lose him. Now watch this. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. Here's a a man that in this text this morning, this is not the last time that he sees Paul. In fact, he he sees Paul for two more years, the Bible says, and and he often brings Paul in and he's hoping to get a bribe out of Paul uh, for for some money that he might release him and let him go. His heart was in uh, money and his heart was in women, but his heart was not in hearing and heeding the gospel. And because he had hesitated, now you know this morning, if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, uh, listen, this wasn't the last time Paul preached the gospel to him. This wasn't the last time Paul had witnessed to him. And no doubt, out as he would bring Paul uh, forth with one uh, motive in mind. Paul's motive was always to give the gospel and I can hear Paul say to Felix, Felix, uh, you've heard the gospel. You know the way of Christ. You know what you need to do. You've turned me away and said some other convenient season but would you get saved today? Would you accept Christ today? Can you imagine listening to Paul and sitting under the preaching of the apostle Paul time and time and time again and not getting saved? After invitation after invitation of Paul and turning God away, I thought to myself when I read that verse, I said, how can anybody listen to the Apostle Paul that many times and not be saved? The answer this morning is very easy, very simple. Because every time you turn God away, that heart gets harder. That heart gets so tough People grip the back of that pew. I've watched people that I have preached to and preached to over time that, that they would tremble just as this man did and finally they, don't, they didn't tremble no more. They quit trembling. Finally they reach that point where not only do they not tremble no more but now they can just kind of, they just, it's just like water off a duck's back. They know what the preacher's going to say. They know about how many verses he's going to give. They know the plea. They know the cliches. They know what he's going to do. And and all the while, they no longer hear God anymore. Friend, I want to tell you this morning, you need to do inventory. You need to evaluate your soul as if this is the last service we're going to have before we step out into eternity, for it very well may be. If this morning, if this is the last invitation that's ever going to be given and after this the rapture is going to take place and we that are saved are going to be gone and those that are lost are going to be left behind, how do you fare in eternity? How is it with your soul this morning? Are you ready? Are you right with God? It would be a shame to go to hell from Africa and never heard the gospel. It'd be awful to go to hell from behind the Iron Curtain 
under communist rule. It'd be awful to go to hell from Red China and never seen a missionary, never seen a track. But I'll tell you the worst place in the world to go to hell from would be in a Baptist church where throughout eternity you would replay in your mind invitation after invitation, message after message. You see, those that have never heard the gospel, they don't know the way of Christ. That's why we give to missions. That's why we go, so that they can hear. But can you imagine being in hell, knowing how to be saved, but yet you didn't get saved? Wouldn't that be awful this morning? To have the head knowledge, but to never have the heart knowledge. You say, preacher, how do you know if you're truly saved? I'll tell you, the overwhelming evidence of salvation is new life. You say, I don't understand that, what that means to have new life. It means that someone is living in you, that someone is living through you this morning. You say, well, how do I know if he's living in me and living through me? There'll be new desires. A dead man has no desires. You lay a corpse down here. Listen, I don't care if you brought the finest steak in. I don't care if you brought the finest meal. He ain't going to get up and eat it. You lay a dead man down here, you can come down here, you can scream at him, you can holler at him, you can do anything you want to. He's just going to lay there because there's no life in him. You know why some people don't get anything out of church? They have no desire for the Word of God. They, they just It's all they can do just to get through a service and they don't understand why, what, what the big fuss and what the big deal is about going to church. You know what it is? They're still dead in their trespasses and sins. There's no life in them. I'm telling you, I know I'm saved. Because somebody talks to me. He talked to me this morning. He talked to me yesterday. I laid my head down last night and he spoke to me. Sometimes he blesses me. Sometimes he comforts me. Sometimes he reprimands me and said, Now you know you should have done better today. Has he ever talked to you like that? You know you should have prayed more. You know you should have read more of your Bible today. Sometimes he chases me, but he's living inside. There's somebody in the house with me. Amen. I'm not by myself, thank God, anymore. He walks with me and he talks with me. He tells me I'm his own, thank God. He's real. God is real this morning. He's real, not just in this world. But brother Laddie, he's real in my soul this morning, in the recesses of my heart, in the secret places of the chamber of my soul. There's somebody living on the inside. Boy, he'll stir up when that Bible is preached, uh, when a song is sung, uh, when a testimony is given. Uh, so that old well uh, will spring up on you, amen. amen. Well, I love him, don't you, this morning? I don't always do like I'm supposed to, but I love him. I love him, Miss Cape, all my heart. He's the reason that we live, isn't he? Is he not the reason you get up in the morning? Man, if I didn't have God, if I, was, if I didn't have the Holy Ghost living inside of me, I'm telling you, nothing in this world means anything to me today. The riches, the things, they're just vanity. They, they're just vanity this morning. But I found a treasure. <laughs> Woo! 28 years ago in a little storefront building on a hot July summer morning, on my knees, on a kitchen chair, I found a treasure. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus this morning. Is he that real to you? You don't have to have the t- same testimony I have. But I'm telling you, if you're saved, there ought to be some life in there. We that are saved this morning, we could go do everything the world's doing right now. Do you know the difference? We don't want to. Amen. 
Hey, I, I know it's invitation, but I, I still just feel like rejoicing a few minutes. I don't want to get drunk this morning. Amen. I could go drink a six-pack of beer. I just don't want to. I don't want to smoke dope, do you? It's life on the inside. Hey, I don't want to listen to them old country songs. I grew up on them, but I, they don't do nothing for me no more. I don't want to listen to them rock songs. I, I grew up listening to them songs, but I tell you something, my, 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 my tuner got changed the day I got saved. I, I, they don't do nothing for me no more. I hear one of them old songs every now and then, Brother Lamar, and, and, and something on the inside, that old flesh will say, don't you miss that? And as soon as it says that, that spirit on the inside say, oh no, you don't miss that. I, I tell you, I can turn that radio on going down the road. I, I can hear somebody sing Amazing Grace. I, how sweet the sound. I, and instantly there's a connection. There's life on the inside. The things I used to hate, I love. And the things I used to love, I hate. I burned all them bridges. I don't want to go back to that way no more. Because there's new life. My worst day living for God is far better than my best day living for the devil. How about you this morning? If you're here and you're convicted, you need to be converted. If you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I know I'm guilty as charged. I need to be saved. You just need to come. You just don't hesitate. When we give this first verse, don't you wait. If you wait this first verse, you may wait till the last verse and walk out the door. If you've been convicted, I don't care who you are this morning, you need to be converted. While we stand, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, Christians are praying. How about it, sinner? While Brother David sings, would you come, sinner?